Hello, this is Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is In Flight Entertainment. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I know you missed us. Uh, yeah, we had to, you know, uh, fix, fix the fix the wings and make sure the doors are straight and all that stuff. But yeah, we I, are I, in full effect. I needed a mental. I ne- needed a mental break. Work has been killing me. Working 12, 14 hour days. So I asked Yusuf if we could take a, a mini vacation from rec- recording in September. But we are back with a two-parter. Uh, and we have a guest host all of this week to help us get through that. It is Miss Catherine Watkins. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself before we start to dive into what was happening uh, when the first Candyman came out in 1992. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, So I'm Catherine Watkins. I am currently living in Portland, Oregon, which is a horror movie within itself. Um, But I'm um, I'm actually from the Bay Area. And so um, I first saw Candyman when I was 17 years old and um, it left a mark. And so knowing that it was remade, um, I was just so excited to be able to see it. So um, I'm an English teacher. I've been teaching for 23 years and I'm um, currently doing sixth grade after doing um, high school English for about 21 years. And I'm a writer and activist and speaker. (laughs) And and a huge target for Fox News. Yes, that too. I I try to understand that, um, but they gave me a little bit of a platform. So thank you, I guess. (laughs) Oh, wow. Do tell. (laughs) Oh, um, do you guys want me to crash it a little bit? Go for it. Bring it. Bring it. Just to let you know. um, So I've been doing a lot of race work here at um, in Oregon. And so my latest was um, doing a fishbowl discussion, educators talking about um, the district becoming anti-racist. And so um, we were given this opportunity to share our personal opinions so that the outside teachers can hear what teachers of color are thinking about. And so I had said that um, it really isn't an option anymore and that they need to um, start becoming anti-racist educators or they're going to make themselves obsolete. And that, um, you know, it really came down to we're not going to traumatize our children anymore. You know, as we don't sexually um, sexually, um, abuse them, we're not going to racially abuse them and so they need to evolve or dissolve and woo that did not go over well so um next thing i know um my district um dis- distanced themselves from me even though the superintendent had said prior that this was not optional and he would free up a, um, the teacher's schedule if they weren't going to get on board so um it became a really isolated situation where i was just on my own until i was able to get help with my um from my union and so thank god for unions and uh so i was on leave for a while until my district could get itself together and learn how to support their teachers of color which is still problematic but um i'm just closing my classroom door and enjoying my students right on sister right on so and we felt that Catherine was going to be the perfect guest host for Candyman uh, because Although when I saw it also when I was 17, I didn't get the whole race thing, but going back and watching it as an adult, there are clear racial 
story in both the original one and the new one. And so Mm -hmm. she felt like the perfect guest host to join us as we dive Mm -hmm. into uh, the white savior gentrification and everything, all the other themes in this movie. Yes, most definitely. Well, before we get deep in the woods or behalf of Candyman, um, what was happening in 92 when this movie came out, Yusuf? October 16, 1992. All right. So what we were on on, on the TVs, uh, people, when people was in uh, checking movies out, we were watching going from five to one. uh, Murder, She Wrote, number five. Uh, Murphy Brown, number four. I forget about that show. Um, Home Improvement, number three. Uh, let's see, Roseanne was number two. Sixty Minutes, number one. All right, who who want who who want to stab at the song? The number one song in ninety October of ninety two was it Boys to Men into the road. Damn. Really? Yes. Off, yes. off the Boomerang that. soundtrack. Yeah. Oh. I totally yes. got that. Oh my god! <laughs> I think because you knew Boomerang came out that year, so I think you're there. No, I was actually thinking, what was the high school? What was the song that was played at my graduation? And it was Boys to Men, End of the Road. So I was like, oh. that had to be the big song, ninety two, ninety three. So yeah. I'm going with you that. Got it. Yay! Holy shit! <laughs> I was like, yeah, she wants to Google that one because that's just too old to know. You just get it right in the head. Yeah. Well, like I said, I remember that movie because that summer Boomerang came out and the soundtrack of Boomerang, which was amazing because Ellie and Babyface produced it, End of the Road was the song on that uh, soundtrack. So, and that pretty much, you know. And that was that that year for boys. <laughs> yeah, there's also on on Netflix right now. There's um, I think it's net net. Maybe it's yeah, it it's Netflix. No, is, is it this is pop? Is this what you're about to say? Yes, that, yeah, this is pop. Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that has it's an entire time. episode about boys to men, and so I've watched that in the past month, and so they were still top of mind. <laughs> All right, yeah, congrats. Yeah, wish we had a, a prize to send you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what? The, so what? The IMDb's describe this movie because general kind of gives the IMDb right. The IMDb description of Candyman is the Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to a reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Mm. Uh, it was directed by Bernard Rose. And uh, was it produced by the legendary Clive Barker? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Mr. Hellraiser himself. <laughs> well, and it was also uh, and based off his short story um, that Clive Barker um, wrote called The Forbidden, which um, I actually did listen to it um, driving to work. And it's pretty... Um, Advanced. I don't. I don't. I don't say advanced, but I mean, like considering the time that it was written in um, 1984, the short story um, for oh. a white girl to really probe into this story, I was actually impressed. Oh, okay. We gonna put we gonna put a pin in that because we're gonna do a compare <laughs> contrast with what you know the movie presented and what you know the short story yeah. with you. You know, yes, that's a good. One. All right, yeah, we'll circle back to that one because we gotta get you highlighted on that one. <laughs> 
so the movie was starring. Uh, let's see who did, who was it starring? It was starring Virginia Madison, uh, Xander Berkeley, Tony Todd as the Candyman, uh, Cassie Lemons, Vanessa Williams. Not not Vanessa Williams. Yeah, yeah, not the Vanessa. <laughs> Uh, Dijuan Guy, uh, Mariana Elliott, Ted Ramey. Okay, yeah, yeah, but Um, I mean, the majority of the story is following Virginia Madison, right? Yeah, um, so the move, okay, so as like watching this movie after, and you know, of course, um after you know graduating from you know film school and things like that rewatching the opening of this movie now is just so mesmerizing to me even though it's such a simple thing people are like oh yeah like there's drone shots all day there's aerial shots all day and night with movies now it's like but it was just something about this particular opening with the aerial shot of the south side of chicago and just the eerie um, city grid structure of what we're looking down on. It, it was just, it was perfect. Um, and plus with the, the, the music, the score, like the creepy, what is it? The organ? What, what is it? it sounds uh, like the organ. Yeah. Yeah. Synthesizer. I think it was like Philip Glass who did the music or something, but yeah. Yes. Synthesizers. Oh, <laughs> Yes, it just lets you know what you're about to get into, and uh, not a lot of like horror movies, like at, like in the atmospheric and like melodic level, set you up with you know a movie that's gonna you know scare I guess scare you, but I mean it didn't really have to show anything, but the mood and visually it's letting you know like okay we're about to go on this dark <laughs> journey. Um, it's just the beginning credits. It's like, wow. Like, all right. Like, strap in boys and girls is going to be above your ride. So, what, you, Yusuf, you were a, a freshman or a sophomore when this came out in high school? I, I was a, I was fresh meat. Freshman in uh, <laughs> high school. So, did you see this in high school? Uh, actually, yeah, I snuck in. I snuck in. Me and my friends snuck in there and we saw it. Um, on the south side, well, on the south side, south suburbs, because we would go to this uh mall called Fort City, and you know, we would pay for like a PG movie and sneak into like the R movie. Um, so yeah, we stuck in, we went in there because, like, hey, it was filming Chicago, like, we have to see this movie. Uh, and we were really snobbish, we were like, okay, we want to see if they actually filmed scenes. In Caprini Green, you know, because actually we knew people that lived in Caprini Green, and um, and a friend of mine actually was there when they were shooting, and he was saying that you know, of course, there was a lot of police presence and things like that, just to make sure everything was uh, you know, rolling right. But I think one of the uh, assistant producers, I think he was telling me that one like every day he would kind of, you know, come to certain, you know, groups of, you know, know, boys and girls that would just, you know, be chilling around the buildings, just asking, hey, you know, you want to be in the background? You want to just kind of 
it's kind of post like over here. Like I'm, we're going to shoot here. Like, do you guys want to be in it? Like if you get, if you do, you know, let me know, you know, with you sign these papers and, you know, we'll have you over here. We'll have you over there. So, I mean, he was saying like, the, the, for the most part, the film crew was pretty cool. Kind of like trying to make the, the community part of the movie. Yeah. So. So do you remember seeing it as a high school kid and, and being like, yes, that that's a, a clear representation of Chicago? Well, Caprini Green, yes. Well, I think that's what was so shocking about it is that, you know, for 92, we were seeing like McMansions and suburbia, you know, and then if it was city, it was like really like New Yorkish looking. And then all of a sudden you see this massive hive for human beings that are just, you know, and it's like for that many units to look so run down and abandoned, it was creepy just with them looking at it. And so for us who were fed all those horrible um, sitcoms on television, that was a total wake up call, you know, and then yeah, to find so, out that it was real. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. And then, and it goes back to the beginning uh, sequence, like kind of the overview, because if you notice, it's not really much of a scene or area shot to let you know approximation where Caprini Green is in the city. It's like if you see the Sears Tower over here, you can kind of get an idea like, OK, well, this is far from downtown, so I guess it's OK. It's just like, no, we're not giving you the bearings of where this area is. It's like you're directly above it, you know, and that's why I thought. It, I thought it was really clever to, you know, film it like that or have that aerial shot like that. Yeah, well, and, just like and, the gun. Hmm? And to, to Catherine's point, like what you were seeing in movies or media at the time for depictions of Chicago, it was like adventures in babysitting or yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. off. Yeah, very yeah. wholesome. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like when you saw things about New York, it was like even the secret to my success, the opening scene when he's in New York, there's people shooting and everything. So New York, like Chicago, in my mind, was always the like John Hughes safe type of place to go to. And Candyman gave you a different perception, a more realistic perception of Chicago. Yeah, the, the real perspective of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, definitely. Um, well, and, and like, so after you get that, that overhead view of the city and you zoom out and see where the Sears, Sears Tower is, then they dive into the myth of Candyman, which is such a great way to introduce the story of, to make, to, to ground everyone in what's about to happen throughout the rest of the movie. Um, because we're also in the time where, like Freddy Cougar was huge, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think at this point in time, we've probably had 10 uh, Friday the 13th or 10 Halloweens. Um, and so all of those just started to feel very campy. And this mm -hmm. felt like it could it could be slightly real. I do remember seeing it and and it freaking me out going back and watching it as an adult. It just it feels different to me now. Mm. not scary yeah 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 definitely it, it, and it stands out i mean like you're saying with the pile of your jasons and your uh freddies and you know your mike myers it really 
gave weight to lure and you know superstitions and things like that, especially within the realm of uh, you know this the sphere of black culture, right? With that, I haven't I I, I didn't really see until it. it's like wow, like this is a big budget horror movie that's focusing on you know a black you know figure, a black horror figure, but it's coming from something more complex than hack and slash. So I'm just, I'm Mike Myers. I'm here to hear my sister type thing. It was like, it was like more complexity, you know, and it reflects the, the black experience in America from slavery to now, like the, the bridging of tra- trauma and things like that, you know, within the pal of, um, the, uh, a, 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 a black community that's kind of, you know, on top of each other in the housing projects, you know, that, that holds this lure near and dear to them in so many ways. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really, like, really unique when I watched it. First time I watched it in theaters, like, yeah, it was scenes I was like, oh, but it was more of how they were telling the story and the backstory of Candyman. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, they're really giving Candyman almost a sympathetic complex art to him so it's like he kind of feels sad for what happened to him you know uh, so well, yeah. and you were talking about how it was so unique I was teaching at a I was um, working at a movie theater I was 17 years old when it um, came out and so I got the perks of a free ticket for me and my friend Derek Jackson so we we were just like we have to see this movie like all the movies that we could have chosen it was like we'd never seen a black horror movie and even though it wasn't a black writer and a black director it was like something we had never been exposed to before and so it was like how could we not see it and then I just remember us, you know, chomping on our popcorns so many times. Just, mm, oh, my damn. You know, like just being so inversed in it because it was just so new to anything we had been, you know, looking at. And we're coming from the time where everybody was doing, you know, um, oh, geez, what was it? Oh, I, can't, I totally forgot right now, but it was just like, it was just so fresh. I just loved it. So um, that just sucked us in where we had to see it because it was unlike anything that we had been exposed to. And my mother was a UC Berkeley student um, getting a PhD in ethnic studies. So we had had a whole bunch of exposure to like historical stuff, but never a story that really wove in that history and then urban legend and then giving it, you know, to us without any filter. It felt like it just felt raw. Agree. I, I always say Candyman is the Black Panther of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was. Yes. Yeah, it lasted a long time afterwards. But do you remember the, the year before a movie came out uh, that that was called um, The People Under the Stairs? Under the Stairs. Yes. Love that, that movie. That, so the, the villains weren't black like they are in Candyman. Um they're the victims, which was a twist because in all the other horror movies we've mentioned, it was always the white girl. And this was um the fool who was a young young black boy that was sort of the 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 virgin that they save at the end. <laughs> yeah, well and that exactly. was so nice about having Vanessa Williams in that um 
that role because then it's like it wasn't just all negative um, portrayals of black people. And so we did get to see the college woman who's in um, doing her deep studies, you know, and, you know, having that white friend where you have to like try to explain things or just some things you don't do kind of thing. So, I mean, there was a lot of that kind of reality where you're like, yeah, that I've, I've had those kind of experiences as I'm trying to be in like interracial friendships and stuff. Right. And, and you also have the 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 women playing the woman playing the mom that lives in Cabrini Green that's very concerned about her child that called the police because her neighbor was being attacked and every and people ignored her. So you had a lot of very in-depth black characters that they had in, in the movie. Yeah, that was um, Vanessa Williams. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the college student. That was her friend. Casey. Oh, uh, Casey. Casey. Lemons. Thank you. Mixed it up a little. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, she was like she was like Casey Lyman's lemons. Like at that time, she was kind of getting her foot in in Hollywood as like, you know, the black friend slash confidant. Because as I forget, I think she was Clarice's friend in um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that came out in 91 that also set, started to open the door for more of these um, psychological thrillers versus the slasher films. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So we all right. So the movie kind of follows the Virginia Madison's character and this headstrong woman that's just trying to, you know, figure out or or digging into the lore, so to speak, you know, just curiously trying to, you know, find out because it was for oh wait, initially it was for like her thesis or she, she was right. Was she writing the book or yeah, she was writing thesis, something about her college thesis? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Initially it's about it was for the college thesis. So she was approaching she was approaching a situation like, hey, I just want to, you know, get my college thesis. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be, you know, Awesome. I'm going to get all the awesome credits because, you know, I wrote this about, you know, because the outside looking in, it was more about her personal gain to actually understanding and really heeding the warning of the people that believe in this lore saying, hey, I know you're interested, but, you know, six feet, <laughs> six feet distance, you know, <laughs> but, you know, she didn't care. So, hey, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get my thesis done. Like, leave me alone. Uh, that's, how, that's the other thing, though, where it's like you you have this woman who doesn't seem to understand about redlining and gentrification exactly. and all this stuff. So she's just like with her flaring blonde hair walking in, you know, to Cabrini Green with her camera like this is a tourist thing. It's like you don't even think about how that would have been translated. But we, you know, we a lot of us have friends that are like that, that are entering situations where it's like they haven't even done the back uh, research to even be able to have the humility to walk in yeah, there, you know, because exactly. she walked in there like it was any other kind of apartment complex, and I was just like, "Girl, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah." And I guess it, I guess it could be kind of a subtle commentary. This is and this is like a '92. It's like kind of this subtle commentary of, you know, the privilege of. I think she told her friend like, "Hey, don't say anything. I'm not going to say anything." They're going to assume that we're cops. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't say anything, because naturally, if a white person alone comes to a black neighborhood, like we're a little standoff. It's like, hey, it could be a detective, could be a cop. That's why, you know, the 
you know, the dudes in the building, that's all they kept saying. It's like, hey, you know, hey, what you doing? You a cop? Who, who you looking for? Blah, blah, blah. So she knew they already assume I'm a person of authority coming in here, right? So I'm not going to expose that. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just go with their assumptions of me. And I can maneuver in this Black experience freely. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it was just so cringy for me because I'm just like, girl, you are putting your friend in danger because she's got to be your Black escort. So if it doesn't go well, you've just stupidly involved her in something. So like, God bless her for wanting to go with her. But I would probably be like, girl, no, no, I'll go by myself. But I'm really light. So I probably like, could someone else go? You know, but it's like, <laughs> I, I'm gonna like, I know how I present. So I'm not going to be like, oh, I deserve to be in this space when I don't look like I belong there. You know, so just that whole, you know, cavalier behavior of just trampsing through because everything's there for her amusement and her gaze. Um, it's, it's just kind of cringy. But of course, I'm watching with my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Very unique. Like I said, this is 92. You know, mm-hmm. and we have the, and we have the Karen pandemic going on. Yes. So it, you know, it, it reminds me. <laughs> It reminds me of the meme that's the um, there's always the white person in the background look watching. Yeah. Um, have you seen that, Yusuf? Oh, uh, it's like a, it's ser- a, it's a series of photos of of people of color doing their thing. And in the background, oh. there's always a white person <laughs> just like, kind of staring and watching. Yeah. yeah, we never have to be lonely because <laughs> there's always someone there just watching us. Well, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> they have their to, finger on the phone, ready to call. Right. When she goes to her, her greeny green, uh, that's what it, it reminds me of. Yeah, it's well, totally. it's also really interesting because, you know, during this time we had Rodney King coming on. And so if we're looking at timing and stuff, it's just yeah. so crazy that Jordan Pill um, was like, OK, this is a time that we're going to do this again once right. um, George um, Floyd yep. came around. And so that alone, like, just gave me goosebumps where I'm like, oh, I've got to see this. But um, I think that, you know. Just we were seeing so much abuse towards black people. And then all of a sudden you're having this um, black horror movie. You know, those are images we just never saw black people, you know, being in their, you know, in movies like that. It was just I don't know. Just it felt good. I'm a morbid kind of situation. So it just kind of fed a lot for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm right with you. I'm right. Back. I'm right with you on this, because what do we have? Like, I'm sure maybe there are a couple of movies b- between Blackula and Candyman, but it's like, it's a big bridge. It's a, it's, it's a big lapse of time between the two. And to, like you said, have this movie with that don't skimp on production, that don't skimp on story, that don't skimp on the scares and the gore. It's like, it don't feel B-movie. It feels like a thought out legitimate like horror film you know yeah. that it black black white is like like yo will you watch it you gotta get the same effect as if you watch you know well i'm not gonna say a jason because it, it was more grounded than a jason it wasn't like general said it wasn't camp it was something totally different it was grounded in a real thing uh, so to speak <laughs> oh yeah it, it was a 
I'm sorry. Um, it was like for, you know, an audience of black and white rather than just the white horror movie for the white viewer. And so it's like you really could go with everybody and everybody's relating to something versus, you know, yeah, you go see Freddy Krueger and you're like, I can't let. OK, <laughs> sure. That's scary. It's creepy. Well, I, I feel like it, it does. It's the it's the horror movie that does a job of bridging the gap between Silence of the Lambs and the Freddy Krueger movies, because okay. it has the the scary, bloody portion that you get in a Freddy movie or mm-hmm. Michael movie. Right. Um, but then it has the the story of what's happening in these housing projects with the mirror that connects the two different apartments that is very much based on reality and silence of the lambs, although fictional feels like you could have a serial killer out there doing shit like him. Right. Yeah. And speaking and, and to your point, you know, it was kind of a uh, smoke and mirrors situation as, at a certain point with this movie, because, you know, one of the, they thought, Candyman was a real person because you know the Virginia Massey character comes across a per like a you know a dude who's like yeah you know it's me kind of thing you know but so the, at the audience like oh wait a minute it's a guy but it's like mm. so this person was just taking the lure and making it his own but it wasn't the case and that's what I liked about the movie because I think that like maybe like 40 minutes into the movie, like we're, we're too, we are to believe that this kind of game banger dude with his goons is like, yeah, I'm the one kind of thing, you know, like, all right, well, case closed, but nah, it gets deeper than that. (laughs) Right. I'm going deeper on that where it's like, you know, if we're looking at the story of Daniel, um, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the um, original black artist who was um, painting the white woman and they fall in love and stuff like that, um, it gets to just be so involved. Where even at the end of the first movie, you find out like it's her family curse for being part of that, you know. And so when you have people go, "Oh, what's slavery got to do with me?" It's like, well, how how are we perpetuating and allowing it to continue on? Her mother knew straight up what was going on and kept it quiet. So, you know, here we have um, Caroline being, uh, you know, the unsuspected victim, you know, so if she didn't, if she knew her history, you know, maybe she would have been able to put two and two together, but her mother was keeping her in dark. And so it was all lost on her. And then we get at the end and you're like, oh my gosh, she's related to Candyman. Huge. That's deep. I love it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's all, we can't sever the lines. We're Mm -hmm. all connected. Even if we try to convince ourselves we're not. (laughs) Yeah. And Clyde Beaker was a badass. So, so for him to like, do this story and like to write the story in 1985 and then actually have it as a fulfilled movie in 92. He was a kind of ahead of his, his time, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now let's drop back into it. All right. So you've seen the movie, you know, numerous times and you read the short. So uh, enlighten us on, was, was it more, I mean, was, was it, were there some things that was omitted like from like elements from the story, from movie form, because you know when you have adaptations, it's like some things were not in the movie that was in the book, and some things that wasn't the book was in the movie. Some things were fused and yada yada yada. So, 
you know, as a new register, it was Uh surprisingly on key. And so I was really impressed. Like as I was driving and I was listening to the, um, the audio of it, um, I could almost see the scenes in the movie. And so I really appreciated that part. Cause you know how sometimes a short story can get really blown out where you're almost like, um, the woman from misery, where it's like, they need to get out of the car, get in a car. You know, you feel like you've been (laughs) left out, you know, and this was seriously like, I got to see the visualization of the short story. So even to the the backstory of how, you know, he was an artist and she was a white woman who wouldn't be on the lines. Um, it was all going on. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so in, in the trivia on IMDb, it says that Candyman in the short story was actually described as a, a white person or a person of like yellow skin. Hmm. Interesting. Uh-huh. I didn't pick up on that. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, it does go back to the story of um, of Daniel. Um, and so I just cut, kept a, an image of blackness. But the thing is, you know, with the spectrum of blackness, he could have evolved into a mixed um, lighter skinned person. But when I was listening to it, I wasn't getting any kind of allusion to that. But again, I was just rushing to work. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Well, I, I mean, the movie, like we're talking about um, some of the stereotypes that the movie has, you know, the white savior woman feels that she's safe going into any situation. We cannot forget the dinner scene where she's meeting with like her advisor and it's like the old fat white guy starts to mansplain the story to her, um, which like in the 90s, we didn't have mansplaining. But that scene as an adult woman, it I, I'm just like, oh, my God, she's writing her thesis on this. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this real bougie appreciation of the ambiance. Um, I can't remember the certain word that he used, but it was just such an insulting word. But he used it as this clickish kind of like, meh, 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 meh. and, you know, what could she say? These are people that she needs to you know, depend on for the completion of, of her thesis. But I love that they did put that in there is that bougie appreciation of environments they would never go into unless it was gauche. Right. Right. Because he's not only doing the mansplaining, but he's doing the bougie appreciation of black culture from afar. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's what, yeah. And that's, uh, it's funny because we have a lot of elements, right. That we still deal with today. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, white privilege, culture vulture, like, Mm -hmm. like we got a lot of stuff happening in this movie. Like you like like you were saying, Catherine, it was way ahead of his time. Like the yeah, like was he really like a history buff, or was he looking into you know racial theory and stuff? Because, but again, it kind of makes you think that you know while we're not necessarily conscious of it, there's some kind of understanding of the wavelength that we've been existing on here in America. So it's like in our bones, you know, we just don't necessarily talk about it. So I just always wondered about his perspective of like you know, did he have experiences so that he knew these issues or is it just novelty or, you know, I mean, but he's a writer. So, I mean, he's probably a very highly educated man who's had to do a lot of research, but for the 1990s, for those issues to be brought into movies, um, it was pretty impressive. Great. Yeah. Definitely ahead of his time. Um, and I would, in another thing far as like the horror film tropes that you know you'd be like okay yeah trophy trope one thing i will say about this movie that subverts 
the horror trope of your lead is the Caroline, right? So, like, Caroline was, for the most part, not fearful, but more curious. Like, you know, when she was, when she seen the Candyman, was really like a parent to her stuff. I, I know the Candyman was like hypnotizing her, kind of putting her under like this kind of lure, like this. Wait, wait, it's not. Who's Caroline? Um, I was under a spell because um, right. you know, uh, Tony <laughs> I mean, Todd, yeah. he was fine. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you hear that voice, I mean, you're like, okay, what? <laughs> Candy, what? <laughs> you got honey in there? <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, because you know, like with the horror movies, you have you know the blind with the tank top right around. Oh my god! Oh my god! But you know, Caroline's character. Well, when I watched it again, how they you know, how she was played or how she played or how Virginia Manson played the character. It's like she was still, she she understood the term, but yet she was still you know, curious and like fascinated. Like she wasn't like running out like oh my gosh, she was kind of almost walking towards him like what's your story type thing, you know. And I thought that was really unique. Yeah, it's great. But then again, if we're applying it to our real life experiences, when you have these like really young minded, well-intentioned people that enter you know, situations that they don't have, know anything about, but they come in as if they're the authority and they've got every right and not really understanding the danger to themselves or the others. So she's got this real innocence, like childlike innocence that's dangerous, you know, because it's like. You know, you're just letting a child go into the store and touching anything and everything, and you just see the mess that happens, and you're just like, girl, <laughs> like somebody get your kid kind of thing. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then what really okay, so this is how I kind of sums up. This is how I sum up the phases of this particular Candyman. Well, the first half is more of like an investigative story, right? Like we're investigating the lure. It's like we're, it's like it's like Jaws, right? We, we haven't seen the shark. Like we've, we've seen the death, but we haven't seen the shark yet. We know the threat exists, right? And we're seeing the threat through recollections and flashback scenes of the victims or the survivors telling our main character the story as in telling the audience the story it is not to the second half where you know tony ty really comes on the scene it's like hey caroline hey you know it's me join me kind of thing and the okay i always says the second half is a white woman experiencing the black experience yes as in she wakes up she she she's in the midst of murders that she did not commit, mm-hmm. but yet authorities blame her, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you know writes her off. It's like you know, even though we know she haven't committed the crime, but she's the, the, it's like the wrong place for okay. The what is, what is it? The, the the crime was done, and you fit the description. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it was like when I watched it in that lens, I'm like, wow, this is pretty fucking brilliant. <laughs> but see, and that's like such the cleverness of it is that, you know, why audiences wouldn't have gone to that movie 
if they knew about the last half. So yes. everybody got lured in. And then all of a sudden they realized, wait a minute, I can sit in a movie theater and look at these scenes. And yes, I'm uncomfortable. And yes, it's horrific. But like you did get something from it. And so I, I love that technique. I, I mean, it's, 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 you know, shady, but by any means necessary, if I got to lure you, I'm going to lure you. And there, that's the whole meaning of that first line of the book, you know, does it sell? <laughs> so I loved that. It, there really was that sneaky quality of it just felt like a carefree horror movie and all of a sudden you're like whoa this is deep <laughs> i mean i just remember derek and i just kind of look at each other like what are wow <laughs> <You're just coming laughs> <in>. <laughs> yes well, it, was, it was a cool trick <laughs> oh yeah so maybe as a child as a i'm i was 18 when i saw it but maybe that's why it, it was so scary for me was because it was being I was being shown that that other side of what other people go through as an adult I actually I've watched it like three times this past week because it's on Tubi so I can keep watching it over and over when I need breaks (laughs) from meetings um it's a great thing to have on in the background during meetings um but as an adult, it feels very much like she's having a psychological break. But now, as you say that, it, the second half really is putting her in the shoes of the Black experience. I totally, yes, I get that now. Yeah, so which nobody acknowledges that we're always on the brink of a psychological break and how any Black person has not gone around just losing their damn mind. You know, and then when we do pop off, we're, you know, considered crazy. But it's like if they only understood the circumstances daily, that loyal that we don't pop off, you think that we're heroes, you know, because there's just too many opportunities. Stop touching me. Stop doing this. You know, stop demeaning me. Um, And so, it, you know, we're all walking in this trauma that no one acknowledges. And so it's um, yet another, you know, talking point for this movie. Yeah, agreed, a hundred percent. And 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 going back to the generational American trauma of African American that just you know kind of boomerangs back around to our main character. It's yeah. just like, yeah, you're gonna be hit with this because, like, you voluntarily choosing to be ignorant to a certain degree of the nature of why Candyman exists mm-hmm. is like, you know, you looking at the, the lure as a novelty is yeah. like, but it comes from, you know, tra- black trauma. And that's what Candyman represents. Like, Hey, you're going to feel this trauma. Like you want to be curious about it. If you really want to learn here, I'm going to show you what it is. And, uh, yeah. and, I thought, and the, yeah. she has no no choice um, but to look at it. I mean, there's this big portrait of her great grandfather. Like, she never questioned how they got mm-hmm. their wealth. She never questioned anything. And it was all before her, you know, surrounded. But again, when it's the water that you're in, you're not going to know until someone pees in the pool. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait <laughs> a minute. <laughs> and even some of, you know, even, even still, some are like, okay, well, we're just going to move away or we're going to get out rather than be like, who the hell peed in the pool? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, who got the damn chlorine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it's funny after while rewatching it. So many things I picked up uh, off of one being adult, two through the lens of 2020, 2021. And I was like, wow, this is a it's really profound. Yeah. 
I definitely lost, I missed a lot as a 17 year old watching it. Um, um, and maybe it would have been too much to even try to hash being that young. Like I would just be like, totally like, fuck the world. I don't even want to deal with this stuff. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just so much information of like, that's all crap. And you know, you still, you still have such a life to experience it all. So if we really understood it, I, I don't know if I would have still be here today. Cause it's, it's a lot of crap to deal with. <laughs> So have you guys seen any of the other ones besides the, the new one? No. I have did. you? Did you go down a rabbit hole? <laughs> I did, but I, I mean, it kind of felt like they were um, contract uh, obligations. You know, like maybe the director or the writer had um, been in some kind of contract, but they had to produce three movies by a certain amount of time. So it just didn't feel totally cohesive. And so I didn't really take a lot of merit to it. It just seemed like it they were just trying to glorify the image um, and get some more money off of it. Yeah. 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 Nor- normally I'll go down a, a rabbit hole and, and watch every single movie in a series. Um, I didn't do the, that with this one because to your point, like based on, I remember the ads when the, the other candy mans came out that it just, it felt like they were moving it more into the uh, Freddy Cougar or the Jason type of world where it was just becoming a slasher movie and less about the, the theme of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Yeah. And, and also the theme, well, actually given, giving a horror figure, such almost a heartbreaking origin story. I mean, yes. it was very ballsy, actually, because <clears throat> Kath, I'm sure you can agree with me. It's like, hey, you have this big black figure that kills people. It's like, hey, I don't really need a, I, I That's just how they are, right? Like, it makes uh, sense. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that had me and Derek going, mm, okay, why doesn't she just surrender? I'd surrender. You know, it's like, so it's like we were even lured. We were like, hey, man, can't make can't make. I'm like, oh, I, to this day, I still don't say it five times. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it five times. But, you know, I mean, it was such a sympathetic story where you're just like, oh my gosh, of course he's doing this. You know, he's haunted. Um, and so, how could you not want to be with Candyman? I could help him, I could fix him. You know, that was the idea when I was. 17. <laughs> Tall, dark, and handsome with that voice. Yes, honey. Baby. <laughs> I can fix it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you got to you put the, keep the bees in the outside, baby. I'll, I'll... Yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of. Oh, go ahead. What's that? Great. No, no, go ahead. No, keep saying. Go ahead. It was just, um, it was a time where, you know, I was starting to learn Derek's uh, taste of men and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the beginning of everything. And I was like, okay, we, we might fight over some guys. That's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, candy man is my hall pass. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Speaking of bees. Okay. Fun fact. So I'm sure everyone kind of know this. Um, now on the set, the bees were trained for, you know, the scene specifically. And Tony Todd has such an awesome lawyer or agent that he told the production, like to put it in his contract, that he gets a thousand dollars every time he gets stung by a bee. Genius. You know how many times you know how many times he got stung? Please tell me it was hundreds. <laughs> well, 23. Mm. 23,092 is some good money. <laughs> it's like, man, like that, that. Entertainment lawyer he had was on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was totally genius. 
Yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. Like, but damn, 23 times. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, this, and this is not CG. Like, we're, this is not, no, like, this was made. Now. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, even when I watched it, I was like, knowing that it was actual bees up in his mouth, I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, yeah, so very creepy stuff. <laughs> well, one thing that I would love, you know, because I'm an English teacher, um, I would love to suggest the book, um, The De- Delectable Negro. And so it's talking about black consumption. Um, and I think that, you know, if we were to ever go deeper, 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 you know, just looking at the the idea of Candyman and how he was consumed um, and, you know, how the story evolves with the next movie and all that, you know, how it twists. Um, but it's a really interesting um, book. It gives a lot of um, factual information about how African-Americans have been, you know, sold, um, but like literally consumed. Um, if we look at like Nat Turner and how he was eventually killed and they ate pieces of him. So, um, you know, if we were doing like a black studies class, it would be so interesting to have a parallel between the, the delectable Negro and Candyman. But that would be for a college class. <laughs> or in flight entertainment. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to the book. Yes. On our Facebook page, so people can find it. It's a um, shocking book. Very shocking. It's it's available on Amazon. I'm sure. You're, well, hopefully, you can get it at your local library. But yeah, yeah if, that, if you don't want to give money to Amazon, no worries. What was that? What was that? Movie? I don't know. What was the book release? What year? Oh, geez. Um, I think it was maybe 15 years ago. But okay. it has like all of these um, factual documents of times that, um, you know, we've been used for any kind of consumption, be it entertainment or competition or money, um, survival, you know, but it's all about consuming our emotions, our talents, um, our work, um, everything that there's nothing really left for us after we've walked a day through the white world. It's just like, we got to go to bed. It's tired. We're tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and actually, that goes back to uh, some of the movies that we that we reviewed. You know, like um, like Sorry to Bother You, that talks about code switching. And, you know, yeah. like you know the do like the split identity of you know being black in America. You know, to succeed in you know white society, things like yeah, that. Yeah, the duality of it all. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to order that book as soon as we finished it. <laughs> read that. I might even have it on a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. No, we won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. We got to edit that out. <laughs> um, okay. So, how we, so let us know what you, we, your rating of this, Catherine. So we have a, a three-point scale. The first point is uh, sit on your sofa and watch it again with the family or by yourself. When, <laughs> or by uh, yourself. Have it on. It's okay. <laughs> have it on in the background where you're doing things around the house or me putting together a PowerPoint presentation during meetings uh, or go outside and take on all of the crazies. Um, I well, mean, I mean, you don't want to miss any opportunity to see the face of Tony Todd. So, I mean, you definitely got to sit down and um, you know, appreciate that voice. Um, but no, definitely a sit down one, just because um, there is just a lot of imagery that you don't usually get to see, you know. And then once you get into the Cabrini story, you know, you want to stay seated and learn more about that. So it's definitely a sit with the friends and family. Yeah. Yusuf? 
Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, sit, sit down. Watch this amazing, tragic Shakespearean, Shakespearean uh, horror figure. Um, yeah. And, and actually, and also the, the chemistry between Tony Todd and Virginia Massey was very good in this movie. I, I mean, hats off to those two because, you know, it was it was all it was like a I was like a. It, it almost flipped into, you know, like a forbidden Romeo, Romeo and Juliet type thing that was going on between the two. I was like this twisted, flirtatious thing that was happening. Go! <laughs> you know? So, you know, so she, you know, so she was mesmerized. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, wa- yeah, definitely watch it. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch yeah, yeah. it. It is. It's a sit down for me. I'm- so I sat down and watched it and then I forgot that I actually enjoyed this movie. So now I just keep putting it on repeat. <laughs> and so when I do need a little bit of an escapism during the day, it is on in the background when when folks are annoying me, I can just look up and it's Tony Todd's face. Uh, the thing with it, it is a beautiful. So the story is amazing, but it is a beautiful film. You talked yes. about the intro, intro credits where we see Chicago, but then there are scenes like when she's first in Cabrini green and she like steps through the, the door or whatever. And it's the art all around. The mouth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just beautiful scenery um, throughout and, and creepy beautiful. So good story, beautiful filmmaking. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And, and Tony Todd. Uh, so sit down and watch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, so there you have it. We have it unanimous. Two butts down on the couch and watch this movie. Uh, it's October. Perfect time. Revisit it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, you will enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, so Candyman 1992, and we will see you guys on the flip side with the newer Candyman that was released. <laughs> Until then, we wish everyone safe, physical distancing, and uh, I guess get your vaccine. Yes, booster shot for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, make that too. Peace.